Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, I'm Sivivani, and today on Raise the Line, I'm happy to be joined by Dr. Suman Day and Dr. Amy Osmond-Cook, who are both affiliated with Infosys, a global leader in digital services and consulting. Dr. Day is Head of Government Healthcare Solutions for Infosys Public Services, where he's responsible for the development of solutions for public health agencies. He brings vast experience to his role, having worked on major health projects with organizations such as UNICEF and the World Health Organization. Dr. Amy Osmond-Cook is the Chief Marketing Officer of Simplus, an Infosys company and platinum Salesforce partner. She's an adjunct professor at Brigham Young University, Hawaii, and is also a regular contributor to Forbes and other notable publications. I'm looking forward to asking them about a COVID-19 vaccination management program that Infosys and Simplus have recently launched among related topics. So Amy and Suman, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you, it's a pleasure, Shiv. Pleasure, Shiv, thank you for having us. You're welcome. And we always like to start with having our guests tell us a little bit about themselves and the career path they've taken thus far. Let's start with you, Suman. How did you get interested in medicine and what led to your involvement in public health efforts? Well, that's a very interesting question to start with. I have to little go back to my past. So I would say like when I was 15 years of my age, I got exposed to public health when my father took me to some of the public health clinics and to some of the research work that he was doing for a jurisdiction out in India. So he he is a public health teacher. He was a lecturer in a government medical college in India. So that was the first time when I saw things in action that what public health means, though I couldn't understand a lot of it. But later on with my career, you know, progression, I started getting into medical school, completed my medicine and started practicing. But I would say that, you know, there was a transformation at my end that happened, which can be unique, which may be foolish, but I, I think that I did the right thing today when I and what I'm doing. I thought that what I am doing as a clinician is more of delivering sick care and it's not healthcare. And when I go back and try to understand what my dad showed me, delivering into the community, what he termed as very usually a preventive and social medicine, that's what is healthcare, where you have to work with the population who are at the edge of having crisis into their healthcare access, how they have to manage their daily life with respect to certain disease conditions that is prevalent in the community and how they have to remain healthy by having the best practices around all of the healthier habits. So that made me to change my mind. And I started working into many of the public health projects voluntarily, leaving aside my core clinical practice. So that got me more and more engaged into public health work. And I started doing a lot of epidemiological research. I did a lot of projects around communicable disease management, maternity and child health, tuberculosis, leprosy. And eventually I got into working with the government of India's national polio surveillance project, which was in collaboration with World Health Organization. And that was definitely an eye-opener for me to understand what exactly public health means. And, you know, it's a ground reality for me to understand how things operate, not only at a community level, but taking it up to the higher level where your planning policies and execution happens by the bureaucrats and the public health leaders. So that was 
definitely one thing that encouraged me a lot and i thought that this is what i have to carry forward in my career and the more reason is i bring the clinical experience and now i have the you know the right understanding of what healthcare means at a you know grassroots level so that challenged me to get into the public health space and later on i took my masters in healthcare administration to build some more capability around public health administration and management and that's where you know today working with infosys which is again another transformation journey for me because i realized there were gaps because technology is another choice through which you can streamline many of the operational challenges for delivering care to the right audience at the right time and and especially how can you save your community at a larger level so it's not about just catering to tens or hundreds of thousands but how can you reach out to you know millions at a time and that's where you know technology becomes an enablement for you to make things happen and today as we see that many of the clinicians coming from a cardiology background from you know other specialization family medicine who are all working into healthcare IT so i think that this is definitely a big movement for all the clinicians like us to come and work into healthcare IT but my focus have been bit different that i don't want to not only restrict myself into enabling clinical practice through healthcare IT enablement but take it to the level of public health which is definitely having a lot of deficiency and we have seen you know the challenges that is has thrown with this particular pandemic where we have to reengineer ourselves at various level within a country as well as globally so that's definitely another encouragement for me to keep continuing into public health being a clinician that's great and we're definitely going to get a bit into the current covid pandemic and how how you all are working to address it in terms of the polio program in india we've been collaborating with the cdc's bill fagi who is the former director and obviously led a lot of those initiatives in the us and and abroad so it's great to hear you were involved in that in india switching gears to you amy we'd love to hear more about your career journey what's been like and what's your current role at at simplest well thank you so much for asking and for having us here today shiv my background is i originally wanted to be a physician and ended up getting into college and thinking you know what i really love the communication component of everything and there's so much that you can do not only to communicate effectively but also prevent problems like what suman said about he didn't want to do sick care he wanted to do health care and so i approached things from the more of a preventative healthcare side in terms of the communication practices and the technology components that are involved. So I started off, I have a, a doctorate in communication from the University of Utah. And I started, one of my full-time jobs was, I was the marketing director for a chain of skilled nursing facilities. That was one of my first healthcare jobs and I really enjoyed it. I loved the communication component and helping people stay safe and healthy ended up running an agency with about 300 different healthcare clients and today I am the chief marketing officer at Simplus an Infosys company and one of my very favorite things to do is to help with this vaccine management program and get the word out about what Dr. Suman and others have created that can really like change lives it's so amazing to be involved in an initiative that really can save people's lives. Like we all want to have meaning in our life and in our jobs and to be able to be involved in something like that's really fantastic for me. 
Absolutely. I mean, it's one thing we've learned from the COVID pandemic is how important the work uh, that healthcare professionals and all the other companies that support healthcare professionals and patients are. So, you know, we'd love to hear more about the actual, you know, Infosys Simplest COVID vaccination management program. So starting off with you, Saman, do you mind giving us an overview of what exactly is involved in the program? Yeah, sure, uh, Shiv. Again, I would like to, you know, build up my thoughts right from my experience of working into the National Polio Immunization Program in India. And that gave me a good amount of understanding what's a vaccination management work means. How does it operate right at the target audience or to your citizens or the clients? And equally from execution level, how the policymakers drive it and you know what are the operational capabilities needed for it. So when we started ideating this particular solution and spatially understanding how this is going to be a humanitarian effort, more than just a solution that we would take it to the market and try to make a business out of it. So when we started collaborating with partners like Salesforce on this, that definitely was a great way to understand the capabilities that we need from an end-to-end standpoint, what it requires right from your advocacy and campaign management, because that's the crucial part which is needed to raise awareness within the community, You know, give the right health education, awareness, take out the challenge or address the challenge of the anti-vaxxers, you know, make people more aware of the scientific developments and make them more confident that why we need to take this vaccine. Because you would understand very easily that if we have a chest pain, we don't even think twice to consult with anyone and go directly into an ER or take a you know clinical advice from the nearest urgent care. But when it comes to a choice of taking a vaccine or not, there is definitely some ifs and buts that happens within everyone, whether it is safe, why should I take it? What is the after effect of it? You know, I am healthy. Will it make me much more prone to a particular condition? Will I have some, you know, physical or other psychological element along with it? So that's where, you know, we think that, you know, taking the right understanding to approach with the communication strategy is crucial. Secondly, we worked upon that what it would need specific to COVID vaccine management, which is so unique on its nature. You know, first of all, this it is on a pandemic scale. People are terrified. People are dying. We have to get something rapidly up and understanding that when the vaccines are being developed, there are trials going on. We won't have a lot of supplies available on day one. And that's, that's evident today as well, where we have to prioritize our candidates or the citizens or who would be phase one versus phase two versus phase three. So how that prioritization needs to happen. So that's where, you know, demand versus, you know, supply, what type of analytical capability you have to bring into the platform to dose those prioritization and efficient management of your vaccine location. The third aspect that we took care of in the solutioning is managing the entire workflow. Because we know there are immunization systems available within many of the states. But again, COVID is very different. Its requirements are different, especially when you have multiple types of vaccine which demands its own way of immunizing. There are different protocols specific to a particular product. So Pfizer and Moderna are not the same, so would be not AstraZeneca. So how would you take into account all those variables and ensure that the vaccinators or even the clinic operators doesn't have any issues when they start immunizing the the citizens? 
The fourth aspect we took about is to look into the supply chain part of it because inventory management, as we all know today, is one of the biggest challenge, especially in product like the mRNA vaccines coming out from Pfizer and Moderna, which requires an ultra-cold care. And not only about the cold chain part of it, but also monitoring it at a regular interval. You know, at what temperature you refrigerate it, what temperature you thaw it, when do you reconstitute, you know, what is the specified time interval by which you have to vaccinate a particular open vial and then discard it. So everything has to be so tightly monitored because any compromise by a minute or an hour can lead to various adverse events that we definitely don't want to have. So that's another critical piece that we took into account while developing this vaccine platform. The fifth part is obviously to monitor and engage citizens to keep them aware of any adverse event that they face after the vaccination and how to track it down so that we can continuously monitor their wellness. And lastly, is there a mandated data requirement that you have to capture? CDC is having new elements of data that you need to capture and then report it back to CDC on a stringent timeline of within 24 hours. So that's a critical need around your integration ability and data exchange, you know, be it with your various system or with the CDC immunization gateway or the state IIS, or you report into the vaccine safety database link. So altogether, when we developed this platform, we took into account all these key solution areas, and we have you know, architected it as in a modular fashion so that any jurisdiction who wants to take it, they can pick and choose the module that would cater them the best, be it the registration and scheduling of their citizen, be it just for doing the analytics and adverse reaction monitoring, be it just doing the inventory management. So it's, it's a platform which is developed on top of Salesforce and which has got all this six key elements tied up together. That's incredibly comprehensive and very impressive work that you guys have done in advance of the vaccines being approved. You know, going back to you, Amy, as we've all learned, trying to communicate about public health issues, especially this year, has been very difficult. What advice are you giving to clients of Simplest or Emphasis about how to communicate about these vaccination efforts so that there's sufficient awareness and buy-in? You know, that's a really great question. And you can see what failure to communicate has done in the confusion surrounding COVID-19. So I really appreciate that. So uh, as Suman stated, the key solution areas include advocacy and engagement, which, you know, supports the social mobilization, demand management, cold chain process, which shows the total supply chain visibility, the program administration with enrollment and scheduling and documentation, clinical management with adverse reaction monitoring, and data management and analytics. In each one of these six main points, there's a humongous communication focus in there, right? Like it's very easy to see. And so with all of that, you have a couple of themes. So with the, all of the requirements around social mobilization, as we were talking about before in this in the green room, you know, there are so many different ideas and preferences surrounding vaccine management and many opinions, beliefs, demographics. We have to be sensitive to people's faith as it makes a big impact. So what we have to do is keep a two-way communication, open dialogue. There needs to be no room for speculation and keep the information very concrete and simple. You have to tell them seven times what you wanna tell them and tell them and tell them and tell them what you've told them. The statistics are people need to hear things seven times in order for it to sink in. You also need constant engagement. So we need to make sure that 
we communicate the same information throughout all mediums with an omni-channel effect. And so one way that we can do that is through this vaccination management platform, which contains the same information. It gives us a lot of data and analytics to track engagement and responses and participation. And then lastly, we need to be able to adapt to the constant flowing of scientific information because this is a really living, very, very quickly adaptive situation that we have here. So people are on trials and there's going to be strong resistance in some areas and strong acceptance in some areas. There's also going to be new information coming up for providers as well as residents. And so being able to have a platform that allows people to go into a community portal access all the information they need, be able to schedule appointments, understand the contact tracing, understand when they have to go back for a vaccination management solution with their provider. It needs to be placed in a very easy to understand platform. And that's where the technology and the communication come together to create clarity, to eliminate worry and fear, and to really help us extend this amazing solution that's being developed in record time to be able to save a lot of lives. Yeah, again, that's super comprehensive. And, you know, you guys, both of you preempted my question of what do you think some of the biggest challenges to the COVID vaccination effort are, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to, to share either one of you, if there's anything else about challenges that you haven't already addressed. Otherwise, the, the next question I would have would be more about what do you think the healthcare system will have to do to adapt to a post-COVID world, but I'll pause and see if you guys have any any more thoughts on other challenges we should take into account related to the COVID vaccine effort. Yeah, sure. So I think, Amy, you actually highlighted one of the, the biggest challenges that the entire world would actually face with running this vaccine program effectively. But uh, on top of that, obviously, we have all seen a lot of talks and discussions going on about the inventory management, how would you manage the vaccines in this ultra-cold environment and, you know, constantly monitor them for their health and not being compromised on the cold chain. But a couple of things that I want to highlight above and beyond, which I think is very important, especially on a mass vaccination program like this, which is probably the first time related to a pandemic that U.S. and every other country is going to, you know, work on. There has to be definitely the angle of equity and social justice so that, you know, we ensure the people who are, you know, most deprived or suffering a disproportionate impact of COVID-19, they need to be in the vaccination clinic when actually it opens up to the larger mass or maybe when we go to phase three. So, for example, with the, the ratio as well as the ethnicity taking into account, we have seen from our statistical analysis that the Black, Latino, and the Indigenous Americans have got a huge amount of COVID-19 suffering. And that's because they didn't have access to easy healthcare, right? Or they're often underdeserved by the healthcare system. Secondly, it's important for people to put on a reminder for their second dose, because historically, we have seen people are bad at follow-up appointments. And most often, they misses their uh, doses. I mean, if you look into the records of the flu vaccine, even we have not crossed, you know, 50 to 55% in our total vaccination rate in this country. But for related to fighting this pandemic and making the herd immunity to be achieved, we are talking about 70, 75%, which is a huge 
number to achieve, and that's what it requires, the proper administration of the vaccine. And not only the first dose, which people can have excitement about and still go and do it, but later on, there can be a lot of things that can put them away from coming back for the second dose. So those dropouts has to be properly managed. There have to be reminders and alerts sent out. You have to have a catch-up planning for that and make sure that people don't forget to come back with the specific time period. And the other challenge that will come into play is when you have multiple of different type of vaccines and product, managing the second dose become more critical and challenging because you know Pfizer dose has to be followed up with Pfizer, Moderna with Moderna. So you cannot just do one for the other. And secondly, everyone has got its own schedule. For example, the Pfizer goes with a 21 days interval, the Moderna is 28 days, whereas your Johnson & Johnson vaccine would require just only one single dose. So those things, you know, you have to make sure that they are properly tied up in your workflow and you can, you know, bring, follow up with the people and bring them back. Otherwise, your immunity status would not be gained. And all these efforts, both that is coming out from the government with the private organization, you know, people like us who are also trying to contribute with solutions like this will go in vain. So I think these are the two critical things above and beyond what Amy definitely mentioned about the communication strategy is very important to bring up the success on this program and jointly, you know, fight against this pandemic. Well, I know we're coming up in time. So the, the last question I actually have for both of you is, you know, our audience at Osmosis comprises millions of current and future healthcare professionals. Also, many of our listeners are curious about getting into healthcare right now. There's something called the Fauci effect where med school admission uh, applications are up like 12% this year relative to last year. Would love to hear what advice each of you would have to this next generation of healthcare professionals. And maybe, Amy, we can start with you and then go to you, Suman. All right. That's great. The thing that I would say is if you love healthcare, you don't have to be a doctor to participate in the healthcare solutions. You don't have to be a medical physician either. And so do what you love, figure out ways that you can contribute, do lots of internships, find out the way that you want to contribute to healthcare, because there's so much opportunity in technology, in science, in communication, and in medicine. That's excellent advice. Suman, do you have any advice? Yeah, I think Amy made a very good point that if you want to be in healthcare, you necessarily don't need to be a clinician. I mean, being a clinician is always good. That's a additional knowledge that you can bring, more of an experience of uh, having a first-hand exposure to work with your patients as well as community. But, you know, it's it's the passion that needs to be there so that, you know, what you want to do to serve the community and blending your education or knowledge base with some technology insights is definitely great to have because you can then be much more creative, more innovative on your thinking that can truly transform today's sick care to a real healthcare. And you know that will help everyone to realize the vision of World Health Organization, which I personally is a strong believer of when I was on the front line helping children in India in the national uh, polio program, that how you can work with everyone and reach out to the millions with your capability, you know, starting working in a laptop is, you know, not a problem. Today, you can do more by just sitting in a room with, with, with your laptop and help people to 
you know get better care they can definitely be more healthier so that truly you can build health for all that's what the world health organization reason is so i would encourage people to come and work in healthcare be a doctor be not be a doctor it's all about the passion and the motivation that you have that you want to drive change for everyone who is living in in the in this country or you know in the globe with that i would really like to thank you both for not only taking the time to be with us on the raiseland podcast today but more importantly for the work that you're doing to make sure that people will actually get vaccinated so thank you both for for taking the time Thank you so much for having me, Shiv. Thank you, Shiv. With that, I'm Shiv Rivani. Thank you to our audience for checking out today's show. And remember to do your part to flatten the curve and raise lines since we're all in this together. Take care. For more information on how you can help raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org slash COVID-19. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our podcasts at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast. <laughs>